Um, but over the years, I've gotten a lot more comfortable with it. Most of the time when I'm up here, it's not even nervous. I'm just like, oh, yeah, this is another Sunday. Um, but I got to be real honest with you. Today, for the first time in probably like five or six years, I'm nervous. Um, and I'm nervous because I'm going to do something a little different today. And it'll make sense at the end. So I ask if I do something a little out of the ordinary for myself or if I rush or say something the wrong way, just give me a little grace. I'm a little nervous today. But um, it actually kind of fits with the lesson, too. And my lesson title is The Lion's Pit. And so when you hear the word, the lion's pit, or that title, it might take you back to a character. Uh, for those of you who might be thinking of Daniel. Daniel and the lion's pit and the lion's den. It's a magnificent story. We're not going to be talking about Daniel today. Okay. <laughs> We're going to be talking about a more obscure character that I love. Um, it's funny. I was just uh, talking with Ryan about him earlier today. Uh, he brought him up, not me. And I'm like, yeah, that's awesome. But it's a character that you maybe never even heard his name. And so we're going to talk about Benaniah. And so if you don't know anything about Benaniah, you're going to learn today. On. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. And so in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20 through 23, it says, Benaniah, son of Jehodiah, a valiant fighter from Kezebrel, performed great exploits. He struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a, a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. And he struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his hand, Benaniah went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaniah, son of Jehodiah. He too was as famous as the three mighty warriors. He was held in greater honor than the 30, but he was not included among the three. And David put him in charge of his bodyguard. So Benaniah gets this little, little paragraph in uh, 2 Samuel where they're talking about David's mighty men. And it seems like kind of something you can brush through. It's like, okay, awesome. He was a good fighter. Move on. But if you actually stop and picture some of these scenes for a second, you can learn what kind of a man Benaniah was. Yeah. So, for, for instance, I think one of my favorite parts of Benaniah is the Egyptian, right? He goes up to this mighty Egyptian warrior, and he goes with a club, and he has such a mentality. Benaniah comes, and he's like, all right, you got the spirit. Now it's my spirit. I'm going to beat you with it. Mm. Such an attacker mentality, such a predator mentality. Yeah. But the funnest part about Benaniah, what you can imagine we're going to talk about, is the pit with the lion. Mm. Now, that is probably one of the things, I like how it starts with he also. It's just like, oh yeah, he also did this one time. But I want you to imagine that scene for a second. Imagine you're a fellow Israelite guy in the army. Imagine you're marching and you have Benaniah in your group. I imagine Benaniah's got to be a little off. It's got to be a little crazy. Based on this description, I know Benaniah's not all there. But Ben and I is there marching with you. And imagine it's a snowy day. I don't know what garb they had, but it probably didn't keep you that warm. Your sword's pretty cold. It's a little chilly. You're kind of marching. You probably want to get home. And for whatever reason, there's a lion. Now, most of us, if we saw a lion in an uncaged situation, we probably think, run. We probably think, okay, that's a lion. I should back off. I should get out of its way. Hopefully it doesn't see me. I don't know. Sometimes some of us freeze. But... Benaniah doesn't. For whatever reason, Benaniah thinks chase. He chases his lion. And the way we know it's chase is because we end up in the lion's pit. You don't just start in a lion's pit. You've got to go to a lion's All pit. Right. So for whatever reason, they see a lion, and Benaniah goes after the lion. And now if you're probably one of those guys standing with Benaniah, you're like, there goes Benaniah. I knew him well. I'll, I'll make sure to say something nice at his funeral. But he chases the lion down. And that's a good place to start. Maybe you guys have watched a nature documentary where like an alligator comes and they run at it and the alligator flees. And you're like, yeah, so you've got to chase it away. But Ben and I doesn't stop there. 
he chases the lion into its own pit. And mind you, he is very outclassed here. The lion's got a couple hundred pounds on him. It's in its home field territory. It's got fur. It's a lot warmer than he is. It has every advantage possible. It doesn't say Benaniah and some other guys. It's just Benaniah. He chases this lion down and kills it in its own pit. Now imagine you're that Israelite guy and you see Benaniah coming back dragging a dead lion. You're like, what? And then after the how is the why. What is to be gained? Like, I, just think about that for a second. It's like having an argument, argument with a five-year-old. There's nothing to be gained there. You're just going into an uphill battle. But yet he goes anyway. And if you're an Israelite, there's no point to that. It's not like lying is a delicacy that you're like, oh, we need to eat that. There's no point to it. This is 100% risk for Ben and I. But he does it anyway. And you might think that is the most pointless thing. But think about the other things it says about Ben and I. Benaniah felt confident going up to that Egyptian. In fact, he went up with a club. He was ill-prepared. But he's like, I've done this before. He took a two-on-one against Moab's mightiest warriors and took the W. And look where he ends up. He ends up as David's bodyguard. That gets him in the king's council. And later, he gets put in charge of Israel's army. He does amazing exploits. But it all started with a snowy day a pit, and a lion. And I, I think one thing that perfectly describes this experience is, for those of you who don't know, there's a person named Ray Lewis. And Ray Lewis was a, a linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. In fact, there was an interview with the QB, and he said, they asked him who he feared most in the NFL. And he's like, every time we played the Ravens, I feared 52. Mm-hmm. Ray Lewis. He was one of the hardest hitters in the NFL. And there's a, a video of him talking with some high school uh, football players, and he gives them a speech. And he, he tells him, he's asked him, why do you think the lion is the king of the jungle? Mm. He says, when you think about it, the lion is not the fastest, that's the cheetah. It's not the biggest, that's the elephant. It's not the smartest, that's probably the hyena. Mm-hmm. It's because the mentality. When a lion sees an elephant, it thinks lunch. When an elephant thinks a lo- sees a lion, it thinks run. Mm-hmm. Benaniah's mentality was that. Mm. When he saw a lion... He didn't think run. He thought chase. When he saw the Egyptian, he didn't think, I got nothing. He thought, you have my spear. When he saw the two abs, Moab's mightiest warriors, he says, I may be outnumbered, but I am not outmanned. He had a different mentality. Benaniah was wild. He was crazy. I love Benaniah. So where is that in the church? And you might think, what does chasing a lion have anything to do with my life? Mm. None of us have been in an experience where we saw a lion and chased it down and killed it. But we do have lions in our life. Yeah. We do have the scary, intimidating things of your life. The things that seem unmatchable. Yeah. Things that seem too daunting. Might be different for us, uh, different ones of us. Maybe the lion is coming up here and preaching. That seems scary. Mm. Right. At one point, that was my lion. That terrified the poop out of me. <laughs> Maybe your lion is being able to serve in a ministry. Maybe your lion is being able to share your faith with somebody. Maybe the lion is taking a step in your own relationship with God. And so instead of chasing that lion, you've become afraid. You've turned tail and you've run. You've dropped your sword and your shield and you're out of there. And you know, it might be easy to say, well, you know what? Ben and I, yeah, he chased the lion, but he was a warrior. He was equipped. He knew what he was doing. 
He had experience. But there's other characters in the Bible who probably felt pretty similar to us. One of the perfect examples is actually Moses. Moses, at this point that we pick up his story, this is Moses with God in the burning bush. And Moses has fled Egypt. He wasn't liked very well by the Egyptians at that time, and he wasn't very liked by the Jews. And he had become a shepherd in the wilderness. And he built a comfortable life. He got a wife. He got kids. And he's been there. And he knows what he's doing. And now God is like, go back. And this is how Moses responds. In verse 8 of chapter 4, it says, Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe the two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground. The water you take in the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak, and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. Think about that. It's cool. We get the hindsight 2020. We know what Moses becomes. He becomes one of Israel's greatest leaders. It's a name that we still know and say to this day because of how good of a leader he became. But Moses only saw the Moses he knew then and there. Moses only knew, I'm not a good public speaker. I don't know what to say. I'm a little insecure about that. I'm not very liked by the people you're trying to get me to go rescue. I'm not liked by the people I got to go get them from. It's a scary situation for Moses. So Moses is like, hey, I'm not the guy for the job. God's coming to him in a burning bush. He's like, you got the wrong shepherd. And God gives him the speech. He's like, you don't need to be good. I will make you good. And then Moses is like, send somebody else. This seems very familiar, right? How many of us have probably been approached to do something and said, hey, that's not my talent, right? Right? If Gio came up to me and, hey, Logan, you want to play the guitar for worship? I'd be like, ah, that's not my talent. (laughs) That's not me. Send somebody else, right? Right? How many of us have been there and we're like, you know what? Somebody else will take care of that responsibility. That's somebody else's battle. You know, one of the things that's been studied out in society over and over again is the more there is a group around a uh, a bad experience, a bad thing that happens, the less likely somebody is to help because they think somebody else will step in and help. It's this mentality of somebody else will take care of it. That's somebody else's task. That's somebody else's talent. It's not my responsibility. If I'm being really honest with you guys, one of the things that breaks my heart the most in this church is the teen ministry. I was baptized in the teen ministry. That's how I came to know God. And so when I left the teens, the first thing I did is I went to Gio and I was like, hey, can I lead the teen classes? Because I don't want to leave the teen ministry. Yeah. And at the time, I had no skills in that, time, in that area. And G was like, oh, maybe let me hear you preach, and then we'll see what, how it goes. And he gave me the chance. And that turned into eventually leading the teen ministry, which turned eventually leading into the campus. But when I left the teens going to the campus, I really hoped somebody would step in. I'm like, okay, somebody else is now it's their opportunity to take the reins and really make something of that. Mm-hmm. To this day, no one really has. Mm-hmm. Like, I thank God for somebody like Ryan who's in there right now doing that with Liv as well. I thank God that there's someone like Lori who's been hosting events at her house. There's no teen minister. There's too many of us saying, I'm not the guy, I don't have the talent. Too many of us going, you know what? Somebody else can take care of that. Look at Moses. He didn't have the talent, he didn't have the drive. But look what he became. 
Look what he became because of what God said right there. I'll teach you what to say. I'll show you the steps. If I'm being real honest with you, I was not the guy. Public speaking was not my talent. Leading was not my talent. I was not the guy for the job, but I had one trait. I had one trait to work with. And it's my favorite trait in the Bible. And it's the trait that every great person in the Bible has. And it's found in Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, my favorite verse of the Bible, it says, Then I heard of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who shall go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. What the most powerful verse in the Bible is God looks and he's like, I got a problem. I have a need. Whom's going to go? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. That is the heart of a disciple. Think about who Jesus chose as his 12. He chose a tax collector, the most hated guy in his place. He chose a zealot. That'd be like picking the most right-wing or the most left-wing person. He chose fishermen. He chose people who literally got the nickname Sons of Thunder because how quick they were to anger. Do you think those guys were the right guys for the job? Do you think they had the talent? Do you think they had the knowledge? No. They had one thing. They were willing. Whenever Jesus said, come follow me, they left it behind and they did so. And that's why they became the people they became. Moses was not a good public speaker, and yet he took the chance. Benaniah was outclassed with a lion, and yet he took the chance because it was the mentality of, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Not because of anything I can do, but because I trust that if I go, something good will happen. So yes, the fear of the lion can get us. It can be easy to run from on that snowy day, but if you just take a chance... You have no idea where that line can lead you. That's right. I took a chance on a team lesson. It's a once a week Sunday thing. I think at the time it was every other week or something like, yep. like that. And it ended up here. <laughs> I have no idea where it'll go from here. Yeah. But I'm going to keep going until it tells me to stop. Yeah. And I love that. I think one of the things that's been so much fun about being in this experience is I've also learned things I was never good at. Gio put me on the AV team and I'm like, that's the furthest thing from my time. <laughs> Ryan knows my weakness is technology, ironically, as an engineer. And so I got here, and they're showing me how to fold a, a wire, and I'm like, I still don't know how to do this correctly, but I make it work. Because this is mentality of I'm willing to learn. I'm here. I can do it. But as much as I would love to say I've always had this heart of here I am, send me, as much as I would love to say that I've always been a success story, I can't say that's 100% true. Because as scary as it is to chase a lion... It's actually scarier to run. Yeah. And I'll show you why. And so this uh, passage in 2 Corinthians, I've actually preached this in a sermon before, and I preached it a completely different way, and I thought I knew exactly what it meant. Yeah, yeah. Until recently, I learned a new definition of it. So I'm going to read it to you guys. And so in 2 Corinthians 5.11, and then also in 6.3-4, it says, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, I hope you know this too. And then in verse 3, it says, We live in such a way that no one will stumble because of us, and no one will find fault with our ministry. In everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. So I preached this once in um, a sermon titled The Ambassador. 
You might remember it, you might not, no worries. Um, But when I first preached it, this idea of fearful responsibility, I thought I knew exactly what that meant. I thought I knew exactly that one day I'm going to have to answer for what I've done with God, and I have this fearful responsibility to do as much as I can. And that's how I thought of it, and I'm like, that's what should motivate me, is I have a responsibility to do something for God because what he's done for me. And this idea of making sure it's sincere, making sure that you stick it through the, through the trials and the calamities and all that stuff, I thought I knew what that meant. Until a couple months ago, I was coming home from church, and I got a call from my brother. Actually, before I get into that, I have to introduce you to a character, or not a character, an actual person. Um, and her name's Katie Meyer. For those of you who don't know, uh, Katie Meyer is a person I went to school with. Uh, she's actually in a football uniform, but she was actually the first female football player at our school. She was on my team. I remember those white jerseys. They were very stinky after practice. Yeah. Not good. But she also went on to be a goalie for Stanford. They actually won a championship together. She was pretty prominent. It's funny. This picture is actually from an article Kyle wrote about her in high school. Um, so I actually knew her pretty well. Uh, I spent a lot of time with her. We ran in the same circles. I wasn't great friends with the girl. I'm not going to pretend like, oh, yeah, we hung out all the time, best of buds. But I knew her. I knew her. And I had met her in my sophomore year. And sophomore year was also when I became a disciple. And so I was just learning what it meant to be a disciple and what it means about sharing your faith. And I remember Katie was one of those people where I felt called to share. I felt called to say something. I was like, you know what? I should maybe ask her what is her view on God or what does she think about that? But to be honest, I was terrified of Katie. Absolutely terrified. Katie was a very popular girl in our school. She was very well known. She ran in the big groups. I was kind of the nerdy, awkward guy who's kind of on the football team, so I'm kind of known. My brother's known, so I'm the little popic. And uh, I had seen Katie kind of explode on a few people, so I was like, I don't know if I say something wrong. Maybe that'll go the wrong way. So I was a little nervous. And I remember I had a perfect opportunity. We were in the weight room, and we were doing a workout, and she mentioned something about God, and I'm like, oh, this is a perfect opening. I didn't even have to bring it up. And I remember there, and I was like about to say something, and I'm like, I'm going to go get water. I chickened out. And to be honest about it, I've never thought about it since. Not even once. I chickened out that time, totally forgot about Katie, maybe except for like a random Instagram post, or I knew she got into Stanford, so I was happy for her. Until recently, I got a call from my brother. And I was coming home from church, I was getting off the freeway, and he called me, and he was like, hey, do you know Katie died? I was like, no. Later, I found out that she committed suicide in her own dorm. She died at 23. It hit me so freaking hard. Not because I was super close with Katie, but because I never gave her a chance. Never gave her a chance. I don't know if anything changes. Maybe it all ends up the same way, but I'll never know. And so when I hear fearful responsibility... Has the fearful responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. Not that I'm going to have to answer to God for that, but because I have to answer for that. It's not my fault. I know it's not my decision. I'm not saying I could have changed something, but I know that I never took a shot. Yeah. That haunts me. Mm. Yeah. And so when I think about that, oh, I, I think about the people here how much would it break my heart to know one of them didn't get a chance? How much would it break my heart if there's still somebody in my life I have the chance with and I'm not taking it? I thank God he's put other opportunities in my heart and 
times where I have talked with people about suicide and they've been able to help them. Yeah. But I never get that chance again. Yeah. Sorry, I've tried, but... What I'm trying to say yeah. is as scary as that lion might be in your life, yeah. as much as you want to say, send somebody else, mm. sometimes it's you. Sometimes it's you. Mm. As scary as that line had been, I wish I had chased. Mm. I wish I would have stood my ground. Mm. I wish I had just said, send me. Mm. So I beg you, in these moments, take a chance. Man. Don't be afraid. Don't come up with the excuse. There's always an excuse. Yeah. Have the willingness to say it's me. Mm. Have the willingness to step up. Yes, there are trials and calamities and hardships. But it's worth it. Mm. Yeah. I've had struggles leading in the teens. I've had struggles leading in campus. I've had times where I had to make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. But to me, it's always been worth it. Always been worth it. So I don't know what that lion is for you. I don't know what scares the poop out of you. But take a chance. Take a chance. Remember, you don't need the talent. God takes care of that. You just need the heart. To remember, you are the predator, not the prey. That you can do it sincerely. I ask and I hope that none of you would have Acadia in your life. Yeah. We have to ask yourself, what if? What if I had just taken a chance? So as you take communion today, reflect on that. Yeah. Reflect on that line. Learn a little bit from Ben and I. Learn a little bit from Moses. Learn a little bit from Isaiah. Learn a little bit from me. Take a chance to care. Mm-hmm. I hope maybe just one of you feels the heart to care about the kids in there. Mm-hmm. Because I know for me, if I had a teenager and no one wanted to step up, I would be heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be heartbroken. I wish there were two of me. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> but I beg you, just take a chance. Take a chance. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to pray for us, and we'll take communion together. God, I want to thank you so much, Lord, that you give us opportunities, Lord, that you want to work with us. Lord, I thank you so much, Lord. It's not about my talent or about my skill, Lord. I think you've proven that to me over and over and over again. It's just about the heart. It's just about being genuine. It's just about being sincere. It's just about caring about the people around you, Lord. So, God, I ask that we learn a little bit from these valiant, valiant characters of the Bible. And then we learn even more from the mistakes, Lord. I don't know if anything would have been different, but Lord, I ask that things would be different now. I'd have the chance to really make that amend with you, Lord. I ask that we would take the chance to care about the people we do life with, to care about the other ones around us, and to help those who are hurting, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen.